The following is a production of AW360, Advertising Week's year-round content platform for the advertising and marketing industries. AW360 features thought leadership articles, podcasts, and original video series from the best and the brightest in the industry from all around the world. For more on AW360, visit 360.advertisingweek.com. Welcome to the Sonic Truth Podcast. I'm Scott Simonelli, and what you're about to hear took place live at Advertising Week New York from the basement of the AMC Lowe's Theater. I spoke to Neil Shaw, Smirnoff's Global Marketing Director, and Luke Atkinson, also from Smirnoff, who's the brand's content and communication lead. We started the conversation with the role that audio, music, and sound play at Smirnoff today. And we go into detail about their Equalizer campaign, which was an amazing and inclusive way to reach millions of different people using sound. So we would consider music to be very much part of the fabric of the brand, the way that you would experience it in the real world. And so therefore, you know, we would very much want to approach the way that we're building the brand with music particularly in mind. And and you can see that reflected in the history of Smirnoff. We have for decades really done various pieces of activation in partnership with various music cultures with various with various music artists and um, more recently we've got more and more focused on what's the impact the positive impact that we can make on the culture of music itself going back to that core thread around inclusion that obviously is a very very hot and meaningful topic in the world today and increasingly the music industry and music fans themselves are waking up to inclusion or a lack thereof in in music um, and how that is potentially hampering the the great music that people get to listen to you know as a good times democratic inclusive brand we feel like we should be having a positive impact and role there so really over the last few years that has been our our laser focus really I- inclusion in the music space yeah i think the only thing i would add to that is you know that you know we we it's the way we also think about the music as well and and and, and through to actually how we activate against it so moving bit beyond and and from brands who um, essentially just use it perhaps as a narrative to a tv spot but actually using music to emotionally engage our consumers adding value to those consumers and then offering them an opportunity to better engage with music and the community whilst giving back to that community as well. So, you know, really authentically playing in the space rather than co-opting it. Yeah, no, and, and authenticity actually is one of the things that with music and voice is the hardest thing to fake, right? You know, because, you know, when you can tell when the singer or especially with, with voice, um, when they're speaking um, or just in, in something sounds like if it doesn't sound authentic, it, it, people just have their have their kind of radar up as this doesn't feel right because um, it's such an emotional thing. And so how do you evaluate authenticity I think it goes back to a conversation we were having um, on Monday morning, actually. And it's more around how, as a Smirnoff team, we are kind of set up. So it, it starts from ground zero, really. So Luke and I were having a conversation and we were talking about the fact that the people in our broader team and that we work with are, aren't just your kind of classic MBA marketer, for instance. It's people who, beyond that, have what I call cultural sensitivity. So they understand music, they live it, they breathe it. And therefore, they are able to adequately evaluate the authenticity in it rather than just simply outsourcing it to an agency in some of the more extreme examples. Right, right. So something you're feeling at the brand side. Yeah, so, you know, you're living and breathing that culture and thus you care about that culture as well. And you 
want to use you know the the opportunity and privilege that you have when when you get to work at such an amazing brand like Smirnoff to go right how how can I how can I utilize that privilege in a way that's net positive that can make a difference to the culture that the brand should and and does care about um and 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 I think when you when you start to put that lens over the way that you're approaching music then that starts to change the conversations that you're having with the actors in that culture um you know, primarily musicians, of course, but but also, you know, the the more the the industry at large, and and when you're having a conversation that's much more about how can we partner together over this shared purpose of bringing inclusion into people's listening experiences, into the industry as a whole, that really changes the game and and helps you build authentic connections with right. with yeah, with, as I say, with all the actors. That's so interesting. Yeah. So you're not just taking music and using it; you're kind of part of the conversation of influencing what that yeah. music can be it's yeah exactly and it sort of um reminds me of a few months ago actually so luke and i were um actually uh shooting some of the content for the smell of equalizer and we were um sitting you know kind of backstage of the recording studio with um the transgender and dj and activist honey dijon and we were having a long conversation with her and as she, at the point when she realized that we weren't just the typical kind of clients showing up we were people who are passionate about music we we're passionate about culture and we cared about it we actually went into like a wormhole from you know great musicians and filmmakers and you know authors that we love through to actually closer to what the problems we're trying to solve or challenges we're trying to solve from a music perspective on the Smirnoff brand around community and and Luke and I both I, I mean we certainly left with some you know ideas or different ways yeah. of thinking yeah and and then you know we start to see artists knocking on our door asking us can they can they get involved in the things that we're doing I think when when that starts to happen though I think you can start to feel like you have built an authentic role for yourself in music uh, and that people are treating you as such you know um artists aren't normally knocking on the doors of brands unless they think uh you know a paycheck is the right. the, the primary goal yeah i feel like that stigma has changed a little bit too it used to be like you know i remember when i was first you know coming up myself and working at sony and things like that the idea that like your music was in an ad or something like that was almost frowned upon whereas now um it's definitely not the case um it's a great way to get noticed you know and i think like to whatever extent like you're collaborating there i think is a totally different paradigm right that's that's never really i mean that's something new um yeah i mean it's just you know you approach it like any partnership right mm. whereby you start with a point of shared values you use that you then you know have a shared objective and then you think it of it as a symbiotic relationship whereby both parties benefit you know it's not we don't approach it as a here's a blank check um this is our list of deliverables help us help us get there and you know the brand disproportionately uh, benefits over the artist is it is it is genuine it's authentic and both parties benefit from it yeah and you know it's not to say that we're approaching it like an NGO or a charity either you know we are still a business and we are still very clearly and and hopefully very astutely thinking about what's the business value that we are that we're creating by by undertaking this work um and that's really really important because otherwise what can happen is 
you know partnering and and engaging with and trying to add value to you know a culture or specific cultures within music will end up being a short-lived thing because eventually somebody is gonna ask right well where's the return upon investment and if and and if there isn't then that money's going to get put elsewhere and then you know what's going to happen is and and i think this happens way too much and brands engage with with music and and just really kind of any culturally orientated strategy is that it becomes really really tactical a brand is in for a year or two then you know the money gets pulled or the attention gets diverted and and the brand goes elsewhere and then you're never really going to make a dent in that culture you're never going to be taken really seriously you're never going to extract a lot of value from that culture you're not going to be an authentic player um, and it's probably not going to make a difference yeah, right. to your business. No, do you know what I mean? Empty, it's just too transactional. Yeah. How do you quantify that, though? I mean, is, is it something you can measure? Like, what, how do you know if, if what I'm doing is working? Yeah, it, look, it's you got asked this question earlier, and and it is a it is a hard thing to do yeah. because you know the easiest things to measure are at scale, right? And so more often than not, a smaller activation like the equalizer that we're talking about, despite that that being a a fairly big activation on a large scale platform like Spotify. Just for, for people who don't know, maybe give us like two seconds on the equalizer. Yeah, yeah you so do that. Now. Okay, yeah, just, cool. just so, so we have some context. Yeah. Yeah. I have no off equalizer, um, you know, as a brand who has music running through its DNA, and you know, a brand whose consumers are passionate about music, we um, have, you know, as as Luke articulated earlier, always. Um, uh, always been a part of music culture and, and add to music culture, um, specifically electronic music. Within electronic music, we realized that there was a gender bias, i.e. it wasn't an inclusive place as part of our purpose. Um, and so we sought out to uh, partner with Spotify to make music that bit more inclusive. And what we did was we launched an API, which is essentially a, um, a kind of module off the Spotify platform whereby consumers could do two things. They could look at... Um, their uh, gender listening habits and then actually um, when they realized there was bias there and actually generate that awareness take action and you know from that action um, they were able to um, increase the number of females in their listening so they were not only discovering more female artists but they were also disproportionately um, supporting those female artists by virtue of listening to them. Um, and, you know, you know, we saw some great results. So from awareness, we saw upwards of a billion impressions with 90% of them, um, sorry, half a billion impressions, excuse me, with 90% uh, of those being earned, showing people cared. And then from an action standpoint, um, in the period that we activated, we saw upwards of 50% um, increase of listening to female artists on the Spotify platform in the markets we were activating in. That's fantastic. Where where was the genesis of that campaign? Where did that come from? It, it's you, I don't think you just you don't just kind of walk upon those. Right, right. You, you're you've spent a. It kind of goes back to some of those original. You know, you've been in the culture for some time. You're you're tuned in. You're spending quite a lot of your waking hours yep. thinking about this stuff. Completely. Um, you have started to build connections with actors in that place. You started to do other little bits of work and you started to tune into the bits that were working and the bits that weren't. You know, we had done a piece of work the year prior where we had kicked off the pledge to double the number of female DJs headlining. And um, a lot of that, the, the work that had really done a great job of engaging consumers was in retrospect unsurprisingly the work that was or the, the parts of the campaign that was giving people access to music because ultimately 
you know, do people want to talk about music or do they want to listen to music? They want to, they want to <laughs> yeah, enjoy yeah. some good tunes and, you know, get dancing. And that was manifested in Spotify playlists. So that then helped us tune in to the idea that, you know, the content that we're doing is less valuable to people than getting them access to music. But you know what, what do we just want to do another playlist or is there more value that we could extract um, by partnering with a, with a, with, with with a platform like Spotify, which ostensibly then, you know, so we had the relationship. So then we just call them and go, hey, look, can we can we come up with an idea where we hack your platform in a way that opens people's eyes up to their to the to their listening? Right, it's so habits. much better than just a, and, a, a and, playlist and maybe, with female DJs. Yeah, this exactly, is totally because it's personalized. It's blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, cool, actually, because that ties in with all of our agenda around the equality that we want to see in music and this matters and maybe we can come up with some cool stuff and they came back to us with the equalizer and we're of course boom great name by the way we're in yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> got nice, the musical nice connotation i would i will ne- i'll never forget that phone call and also i never forget the subsequent meeting where we just bought the idea straight away and i think it goes back to our discussion earlier whereby you know we had built credibility in the music space we had an area we were looking to impact and then also we had relationships. So, you know, those those things are bought those kind of great campaigns are, are born out of those kind that kind of authentic and yeah. shared value. And that's found, it's foundational. There's a foundational yeah, authenticity exactly. in there. So already. Spotify yeah. believed us as well. You know, yeah, they yeah. weren't they weren't right, these are just a bunch of fly by night guys that are gonna come in and you, you know, so so then they're you know, because what then Spotify it isn't just like what's happening in the marketing department, you know, they're engineers and they're data dudes. Are getting involved in this and you know so, so you're starting to try to get the machinery of the organization behind it um but they believe in it now like, yeah that's a cool thing to do and, and and you can get that you can get that running so yeah look we were really 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 pumped by that work and the and the and the reception that it got and then as i try to recall what your first question the, the question which originated <laughs> this which was like <laughs> how do you measure the effectiveness right. of that right you know can you can you get to return upon investment it's still too even with half a billion you know for a massive global business like smirnoff it's still too small to to really get a handle on did we sell more cases as a result? Because but what we this, do right. do is do control versus exposed to then get a sense of did the people that were exposed to it, was there a significant difference in mm. their relationship with the brand with kind of more intermediate measures like kind of your classic equity measures that we know are predictive of a later, you know, purchase behavior so 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 while there might not be an actual dollar figure against it there's a high degree of confidence right. and you can look at trends and, and behaviors yeah and yeah like exactly that. so we then know right that that made a difference to x y and z attitude um and relationship with smirnoff we know that that will equal value at some point in the future there's there's value in it for us there was value in it for spotify there was value in it for the consumer of the music and there was value in it for the artists that got greater listenership it would just look like a win 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 you know so we're now trying to hatch what the plans do for, an for what that now? is yeah, to yeah. 2.0 <laughs> yes. 2.0 yes. yeah. stand by and uh, yeah. you'll find out yeah <laughs> so to, to the this the kind of topic of, of of equality and 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 female versus male bias um we at veritonic have done a lot of research on audio advertising mm. um and one of the things we've noticed actually was that uh female voices in general will perform better like as a voiceover in a spot, but right. the there there's a disproportionate number of ads that feature male voice. 
um, more ads have male voices in them yeah. than female, but yeah. the female voices perform better. So it's yeah. funny we've seen that in the advertising space as well, and I, and there's definitely um, you know there's there's things that definitely need to change there, and I think data can help influence that completely. Um, yes. And I love what you've done with the API, and that's just a fantastic way to bring data to that equation. Yeah. Um, versus just, again, just another, here's a playlist with female DJs yeah. on it. This is actually bringing awareness to, hey, there are less female, there's less of a female presence, there's less of an yeah. equal presence here, um, or a balanced presence, you know, and, and creating a self-awareness about it, I think, is a huge uh, piece of the puzzle. Yeah, it also, it also I think, would strengthen your relationship with the consumer, because you're having a conversation versus a one-way street. Like, here's something that's female-driven versus here's a conversation yeah. about equality. And And you shouldn't underestimate how much of a difference that can make particularly you know so we're both in global marketing mm -hmm. and you know some of that stuff you might take more for granted here in in america although i wouldn't underestimate how important small changes like that are right. but in other parts of the world that can be really discontinuous you know almost all advertising there will have a male voice. Just doing something small in the way that you're making really? advertising. And do you see just within within Europe a lot of different pockets? Because um, I think Americans can have a yeah. very American centric view. I mean, of the you world, know, I, is, I probably got places yeah. like um, India in my mind um, and some parts of Latin America. Now, do you have to worry well. about? I mean, so, you're sure. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we, you're thinking about India at the same time you're thinking yeah. about yeah. California, yeah. same thing about Scotland. Yeah. Yes. And then related to that, I mean, at Diageo, we have a kind of active program around looking at the gender bias um, of communications. And, you know, we have developed as a business um, last year, actually, a program which helps marketers globally at Diageo mm. um, make better decisions that empower um, better equality and less stereotypes in any form of communication um, that we're doing. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really awesome and insightful program because you you it forces you as a marketer to really start to tune into those nuances that you wouldn't otherwise think about or something unconscious biases as, yeah well unconscious yeah. biases so you know like why are the majority of voiceovers men rather than women well i would be willing to bet that that's probably because a lot of people that are making the work when they imagine it, what gender is their brand they're probably more inclined to think of their brand as a male brand and or perhaps almost even more insidiously go through this logic chain which they which I have seen I've seen before which is well if if I embody my brand as a as a man both men and women will buy it but if I embody it as a woman well then only women will buy it because it will be too effeminate for men Right, which is a very, very insidious, dangerous, and and fallible field kind of logic chain, but but I think is what a lot of people do, and so then people go for the default factor of well, well, I will I will build a, a more of a masculine trait into it, like forgetting actually that probably the whole point of the voiceover is less to embody their brand, but rather to um, entice people to want to spend some time with it, and maybe a female voice in a lot of instances sounds more empathetic, sounds softer, sounds more inviting, is better able to you know draw somebody into a narrative. So yeah. yeah. Well, it's also like when certain brands try to have a certain authority, like there's the there's the misconception that well the authority mm. must come from completely. But these, voice, but these, so, you yeah. just you hit the nail on the head. They're misconceptions, right? Yeah. And they and they weren't true then, and they are certainly less true now. Right. No, and that's where data. I mean, like you know, there's that fine line between creativity and, and data, right? Yeah. And art and science, and that's where 
Um, that's why I love the idea. I hadn't heard about it before now. It's just a fantastic idea. This, you know, the creating yeah. self-awareness because when people see the data, right, when they see that, wow, this, this female voice or this female artist or whatever it happens to be, um, outperforms, right? And I think yeah. that's going to have to go on for a long, we're still early days on this journey, right? It's going to have to, there's going to be more and more data just to show that this isn't, this yeah. isn't the case, right? And, and, that, and, that, yeah. and, and that's exactly what it is. It's kind of the art and science coming together because, you know, fundamentally we pointed the pistol uh, initially towards the promoters and the record labels. But then actually what we realized through data was that, you know, it, it was everyday people like me, like you, Luke, and like you. Uh, and it's just the unconscious bias. It's, you know, these people uh, that we were talking to are certainly people who wanted to see change they support a change they support gender equality and, and and hopefully equality of other forms as well but it's the the unconscious bias that the data illuminates but then the creativity allows you to do yeah. something and about it one thing with audio that, that, that is certainly present too is people get very used to things right something might be memorable or sound good to you or just you might think it sounds good just because you're used to it and it's like you know and some there's melodies like twinkle twinkle little star things like that that just might just be ingrained in you it doesn't mean it's good um, it's just you've heard it so many times. You've are heard you, this kind are of you bad talking twinking. That's <laughs> one of my no, favorites. Yeah. No, Way so back when. This is a controversial. Yeah. This is a controversial yeah. topic here. I've, I've got it on seven inch. <laughs> That's when the podcast, the yeah, table yeah, gets yeah, flipped yeah. over. Um, how dare you? Yeah. Um, so. Is there actually a Motet version? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, Jack. There, there, I hope there is. Yeah, they do yeah. good covers. Yeah. They do a cover of Louis Louis by the Kingsman, and it's actually one of my favorite. Motorhead. Yeah. Yeah. Ace of Spades. I mean. God bless Lemmy. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Lemmy. There's a great Lemmy. documentary on, on, not to get off on a tangent, there's a great um, documentary on Lemmy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen that, it. The one on it. Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, that. I need to watch that. It's fantastic, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, I always like them to begin with. Um, but after watching that, like, you, you like, let's talk about authenticity. Yeah. Like, he's just his own person and, and he always has been. He was been. a culture in and of himself. Yeah, yeah. And just yeah. like yeah. they show, like, kind of they show him, like, in his day to day life. Yeah. And it's just fantastic to watch. I mean, you just want to sit there with yeah. him like he's playing like video poker in a bar in la wearing short shorts and like cowboy boots yeah and you're just like i wish i was that cool yeah. that i could yeah. be lemmy doing that like you know and then he goes and plays a gig and he's lemmy and you're just like yeah god wow that's yeah. amazing i mean you've got rock and roll and then you've got lemmy i think yeah, yeah. no he's he's a one yeah. of a kind for sure um so actually it's a good segue like you know lemmy's got a very unique voice right and I think one of the things that, that we've been really surprised to learn over the last few years is, is that music is, is obvious, right? Like, let's get the right music, let's yeah. understand music. And, and I would say about half of what we do today, just in, in the world of smart speakers and voices and interface and voice search and all these other things is, is, is voice related. And I've been really stunned personally, just being a composer and a person who started a company that does audio research, um, just how much voice matters and, and the, the difference in response. As we were talking here, like the difference between an Australian accent and a British accent, but like, you know, you're dealing with a global brand that's got to deal with a lot of different cultures and a lot of different demographics. Do you, how much do you see voice playing a role in it today? And do you think that's changing? I think I think our radio example is quite a good one. So um, particularly in our Africa region, which I spend a lot of time thinking about, um, is actually um, radio is actually in, in certain regions, particularly Western Africa, is one of the highest um, reaching and most effective channels. Um, just because it is so ingrained in the culture, people are around radios they are socializing around radios um it's just how they do things there and um you know we as a global team recognize that we wouldn't 
do radio work justice because we don't we you know we ha- we have co- uh, appreciation of the culture but we we aren't there we're not living it we're not part of it day to day and so therefore that kind of work you know we might help them produce the tv commercial pr- for instance or maybe the out of home but that kind of work we would uh, almost completely localize because as you say voice is so important um and it's so re- related to the, the culture right. that it comes the dialect the vernacular yeah. I mean, you, you knowing what an authentic african yeah voice completely sounds like, yeah. so i think there's this kind of like back to the future realization really that radio i think it got radio got very very unfashionable mm. in in marketing and advertising and media agencies i think in particular you feel like that's changing now is it uh, coming i think little, people are I mean, starting spotify to and streaming it's podcasts the, yeah exactly like so as audio is returning podcasts are right. returning you it's know a different delivery like yeah in in home speakers and you know all the utilities they provide is coming back i think people are like oh yeah I think, you know, the fact that we're having this conversation, audio, radio, and then suddenly you realize yeah. in the Uber I was in on the way over here, oh, this dude's listening to the radio. He's probably listening to the radio all day, as are all of the passengers that come in yeah. and out of his car, you know. So, 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 and that's, and that's in New yeah. York, let alone in West yeah. Africa. And then I think, yeah, the, the whole, the in-home speaker revolution, uh, you know, uh, for, for us, we are right at the beginning. Mm. of of that journey as we, as we think trying to about, find your place there yeah completely you know f- because you've got the what's the role from a shopper point of view what's the role from a someone who's got their hands covered in lime juice thinking right. about what how to make a caprini right. i'm listening or to spotify on my smart yeah, speaker and, and like you know yeah. <laughs> you know okay google right. how do i make a caprioska right. type of you know like yeah. and and what's our role and how can we provide utility it there through to you know how are people's listening habits changing you know how is it's great to it's great to hear music come off the headphones and back into spaces again and filling rooms um and being social right. we're also seeing now that like a lot yeah. of research that people when they are watching a tv spot um they're not looking at the screen yeah they're looking down so is the is that is the ad just as effective from an audio standpoint as it is from yeah from you, a, from a visual look, standpoint? Uh, completely um mm. i think having really really great uh, you know really really great music that you are thinking not just the role of the music as a kind of a backdrop as a mood setting but rather how are you using music as part of your storytelling narrative to 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 really create emotional peaks at which at which point your brand is present because because that's how brands get encoded into memory not by having 29 of the 30 30 seconds of screen time having a bottle of Smirnoff there but rather at that peak moment in the story and in the narrative yeah. where where you are listening a listing emotional response your brand being present is there a yeah. voice that's present there for Smirnoff uh, is like is there a specific sound there a we, person you know, we or, don't we don't thing? have the the voice of Smirnoff um and we we don't tend to voice Smirnoff over that often but it's um it's increasingly on our agenda right. so so when you I give think, me the recipe for that drink that yeah. i won't try to pronounce well um, yeah yeah could that alexis skill? Yeah. well we, we, we actually you know <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's like it's, it's the movement from kind of tone of voice to actually the sound of voice um and you know tone of voice has always been so central to uh, you know a brand's character and i think increasingly you're seeing brands think about um what their sound of voice is as well yeah, yeah. um and well, i think to your alexa point um 
we we have done some testing, particularly in our Europe region. We have an Alexis Alexa skill which sits across our portfolio, and it's called the bar. And so you can say, uh, "Okay, Alexa, open the bar," and then Alexa will ask you what you want to drink, and then you can tell her some ingredients, um, or you can tell her your favorite spirit, and you're going to get a great recommendation based on that. And then, hey, if you're out of limes, or maybe you're uh, out of a bottle of Smirnoff, then actually you can ask Alexa to order you one from Amazon and have it delivered within two Panic, hours. we're out of Smirnoff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what a sad world that would be if people yeah, were out yeah, of Smirnoff. completely. I mean, it, it would be great to hear, you know, you, you're obviously thinking about this a lot. You know, what advice would you have for brands like ours? Are you turning it around now? You... Yeah, I am, yeah, I am. <laughs> Can't do that. No, um, no, no, I think we, we've seen just like, um, and again, objectively, is that it really matters a lot. Like, you know, you, you know, the thought and energy that goes into everything you do from a marketing standpoint, whether it's creating an ad um, or measuring the success of an ad or creating a, a skill or wherever that is, like there, if there's a sound component um, that requires, you know, just as not, if not, if more thought than, than everything you're doing visually. And in the same way you would think about your logo um, or the, the templates that you would use, you know, across the brand from India to Scotland to California. You know, those same guidelines and 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 kind of uh, schema should should exist for sound, um, and and that you know it's great to see you know just there's a quality there's artists or music or voices or there might be celebrity voices or just a traditional voiceover that might feel like it fits. Those should all be kind of benchmarked against the brand guidelines, and I think a lot of brands um, today, there's some brands that are doing it for sure. Otherwise, we wouldn't exist. I wouldn't be sitting here. But I think like more and more that the screens and the visual saturation that's kind of happening, there's a huge opportunity within sound. Yeah. Um, and, and even the noise, you, you know, the device makes when it turns on or the voice of your Alexa skill, those things require a, a lot of thought because they're massive opportunities and it's wide open. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's just because of saturation. I think it's more so that people are looking for experience and a better experience. And, and you know, with that, you want. Um, all of your senses engaged um, and I think you know as the movement of communications brand communications that is moves from you know uh, brand out um, and you know, to you know adding value utility um, inspiring I think you know voice can only form a bigger part of that because that's an inherently an emotional territory um, and I think you know you have got some brands who are thinking about it um, before the advent of the Alexas and the and the Google Homes, etc. I mean, you think about McDonald's, da 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 da, or you know Intel Inside, uh, you know, and they they've seen great success from those little kind of almost proto jingles. I think, yeah. yeah. No, and those become a big part of brand association, yeah. and sometimes people stumble on them. Um, yeah. But we're seeing more and more brands come to the table and say, like even Honda now, like they're putting their uh, little yeah. audio logo in the beginning of their ads, which yeah. is the best practice yeah, of smart. ours, right? Because yeah, now smart. it's it's setting up that yeah. tone versus you know, the afterthought. And I yeah. think there's going to be more and more of that. But when it works, um, it's huge because now oh, yeah. you're able to hit um, mm. you know, a consumer or a potential audience with a couple seconds. And that couple seconds can last a lifetime. Like, I'm loving it. You know, instant association with McDonald's, and it only took you two seconds, and absolutely, and there it is. And you wouldn't even that. need to say the name of the brand. I mean, it's the it's the Nike effect, right? They just yeah. write "just do it" and have a swoosh. They don't even need to write Nike right, anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's and not every brand's going to have that, and and it's you know, some people are going to have more successful kind of moments of it. Um, but yeah, it's a huge opportunity. There's no reason not to take a run at it. And I don't know how you guys sleep at night having to worry about. All the, just globally, right? He doesn't. That, he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, just thinking about I do like, the sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we divide that on the project plan. <laughs> well, 
Well, cool. Um, so great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. You've been listening to a podcast production of AW360, the year-round content destination from Advertising Week. Visit AW360 at 360.advertisingweek.com and be sure to check out the other AW360 podcasts now available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Producers on this podcast are Richard Larson and Jack Hirschman with music provided by Audio Network. For more information on Advertising Week, the world's largest gathering of advertising, marketing, and technology leaders, now in five markets around the globe, visit www.advertisingweek.com. Mm-hmm.